Great. So we're going we're gonna to carry on with wisdom. Morena did an amazing job last week starting and introing this theme of wisdom. So I want us to dive straight into it, and we're going to read together 2 Chronicles 1, verse 7 to 12. So in this, th- in this church, we love the Bible. So if you haven't brought your Bible with, next time remember to say, Holy Spirit, what should I bring to church? My Bible. If you don't have a Bible, there's some Bibles here in front. You can grab one. Um, and we're just gonna, I'm going to give you some time just to read through it. 2 Chronicles 1, 7 to 12. Okay, so you have five minutes to read that. Great. Okay, I, I remember I grew up in a, in a Christian home. My dad's a Dwemini. I remember us reading this in our little children's Bible. The story of Solomon asking for wisdom. And I would go to bed at night thinking, if God comes to me at night or in a dream, and He asks me to ask whatever I want, I'm not going to ask for a new cricket bat or a rugby ball or a PlayStation or whatever. I'm going to ask for wisdom. Because it seems like God really wants us to ask for wisdom. Because Solomon's asking for wisdom, and then he, and God's like, wow, I love this so much. I'm, I'm just going to give you everything else. I'm going to give you riches. I'm going to give you possessions. I'm going to give you wealth. I'm going to give you everything that you actually would desire in your flesh. I'm going to give you because you asked for wisdom. So here's point number one, is that God loves it when we ask for wisdom. If you can, if you, if you can just get this one thing from tonight, that God loves it, when we ask wisdom. James says, if we don't have wisdom, we should ask for wisdom. So why would God loves it, love it so much if we ask for wisdom? So Solomon, is, is, he was given this nation, this great nation. In the, in the King's Version, um, to King's Version, it speaks of Solomon saying, Hey, I'm still a child, and now I need to govern this nation that my father, David, built up. Why would God love it so much that Solomon is asking for wisdom? Because wisdom has to do with stewardship. So wisdom is the ability, and that's how I'm going to define it today. And there's a lot of definitions for for wisdom, but I'm going to work with this one definition. It gives us the ability to steward that which was given to us so that it reaches its God-given potential. So Solomon was given this nation. Now, just think, of, think, it, think it through. You, just the son, you were born into this king, kingly family, a royal family, and suddenly you became the king of this nation. That's quite a lot of responsibility. So he was given this thing, and then he asked for wisdom because he knows that wisdom will give him the ability to develop this nation, to bring this nation to its God-given potential. So wisdom, in this sense, has to do with stewardship. But in your life, you're not necessarily the king of a nation, or some of you think you're the king of a nation in your house, or maybe you're the king of the remote, or maybe you're the king of... 
of the fridge. I don't know where, you, where your royal, royalty starts and where it ends, but you have something that has already been given to you. You have talents, you have relationships, a lot of you have a lot of possession, and wisdom is that thing, if we ask for it, and if we are given this, this commodity, we will be able to steward it in such a way that everything that we put our hands to will actually develop to its full potential in, in God. And if you think of something that you really need, that is, we need wisdom. We need wisdom. In Exodus 28, it says that God speaking to Moses, it says, Hey Moses, you must take the artist that I filled with the spirit of wisdom and you must ask them to make the garment for Aaron. For Aaron. So God's saying wisdom is not only something, we often think of wisdom as some, somebody who has a, has a good in, intellect, he can good. He can, good, he can give a reason for what he believes. Um, he is good with relationships, good with advice giving. But wisdom is actually a practical skill. So I love, of, love thinking of wisdom in this way. It's like the artist standing in front of a blank canvas. And because of wisdom, he, can, he has the ability to let the, the blank canvas reach it, its full potential. He has the artistic skill, the ability to paint a picture that it will, it will eventually glorify or being enjoyed by the people that will see it. So think of it in this way. You are an artist. You are given a blank canvas, which is your life. You are given your talents, which is the paint, the brushes. Everything you need, you are given and with wisdom, you'll be able to steward it in such a way that there will be an end product that God will go, wow, good and faithful servant. And people, like with Solomon, the, the queen of Sceva came to him and, is, and, and she's like, wow, this is amazing. You are so wise. Look at how you build up this nation. Why? Because Solomon was the wisest man on earth at that stage. But because we have the same spirit, the spirit of wisdom, the Holy Spirit, if you, if you read Isaiah 11, it speaks of the spirit of wisdom, the seven, sevenfold spirit. That same spirit lives in us. We have access to wisdom. So let's look at the benefits of wisdom. And by the way, if you want to do a little exercise for the next 31 days, take a chapter a day of Proverbs. Say, Starting today, maybe, what's, what's today? The 11th. Starting in the 11th chapter of Proverbs, and you read just one chapter, because there are 31 chapters in, in Proverbs. So in Proverbs is what they call wisdom literature. It was um, written so that the youth can be taught in the ways of God, so that the youth can be taught wisdom. So when we, when we speak of youth in the Old Testament, it was 13 years and under. So, the old womies, the teachers of those days, they were like, the guys, these young people, they need wisdom, and we're going to give them a book, and we're going to teach it through, um, we're going to teach them how to gain wisdom and how to live their lives. So, let's look at a few benefits. Riches, honor, enduring wealth. 
Who wants that? <laughs> if you don't want that, I don't know where you're at. That's, that's one of the benefits of wisdom. Inheritance. You'll, give, you'll, you'll receive inheritance, but you'll also be, have the ability to, to leave inheritance with your children. Favor with God. Wisdom will give you favor with God. What do you need more? Favor with God. The ability to become wiser. Proverbs 9 verse 9 says, if you instruct a wise man, he will even become more wise. So you'll have like an open mind and you'll, have to, you'll be able to draw wisdom from other people. When you sit in class, the maths teacher, he or she, you can just draw from them. You'll have the ability to even become more wise. A long life. That's, those are good benefits. Let's look at, if you don't go after wisdom, Proverbs 8.36, But he who fails to find me, he who fails to find wisdom, injures himself. All who hate me love death. <laughs> so on the one side, say, hey, Pursue me. Pursue wisdom. And then in Proverbs 8, it's, it speaks of the lady wisdom. So there's a lady. So I'm, I'm just thinking these rabbis teaching these young men, you know what? At, at this stage of your life, you're going to start looking at the goals. You're going to see the goals. But you know what? The most important goal to go after is lady wisdom. And you need to pursue her with everything in you. But if you don't like her, if you... If you're not going to go after her, you're actually going to injure yourself. And I've seen it so many times, young people especially. They know that there's wisdom out there, whether it, it comes through their parents, whether it comes through the church, whether through a leader or through school, but they don't, just don't want to pursue it. So what happens? They go in their own ways and they injure themselves. Sometimes physical in a physical way, sometimes in a mental, sometimes it takes years to get through all those, all the trauma that they've experienced because they did not pursue wisdom. If the Bible says you're going to get injured, you're going to get injured. So I assume all of you would love to be wise. Is that whoever you want to be wise? All of us want to be wise. So where does it start? And all of us, we have heard this so many times. If you grew up in church, you've heard this probably every second sermon. What is the beginning of wisdom? The fear of the Lord. Proverbs 1 verse 7, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. Proverbs 9 verse 10, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and the knowledge of the Holy One is inside. Sorry, that's Psalm 111, verse 10. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. All those who practice it have a good understanding. So think again. This Proverbs was written as a book to instruct young people. So it says, you know what? We want to help these guys... We want to give them the ability to reach their God-given potential. But where we should start is with the fear of God. 
if you've heard a father talking to his 12-year-old saying, hey, I'm going to teach you today on the fear of God because this is the beginning of, of wisdom. We often, we often start with, with other stuff. We send them to school. Hey, go and study biology. Go and study maths. And, and eventually, if you do well in maths and science, you will be able to go to university. And when you finish there, you will get a degree, and that will get you access to the wealth of this world, and you'll have a successful life. But who of you know that that's not always, that's not the route to success? It is great. I, did, I, I went to varsity. I loved maths. My mother was a math teacher. I had to love maths. But that's not the thing that will eventually bring success, godly success. And the Bible is really clear. It's the fear of God. So, so what is the fear of God? If we need to start there, we obviously need to be able to define this place where we need to start. And I, and I think maybe just as a disclaimer here, the fear of God is not the start and then you go somewhere else. It is the foundation. Think of it. You are building this house. You are building your life. And the foundation of your life is the fear of God. And some people have a, really, have a big problem with the fear of God. Because they think, hey, God, just, God is love. How can we fear a God that is a God of love? You know what? I love my wife, but I also fear the wrath of my wife. I love my mother. And when I was young, I feared the wrath of my mother. And I'll give you an example. It's, it's a really difficult concept to, to explain and to get, a, get across because it's best experienced. You must experience the fear of God. You must come into the into the throne room of God, like is in Isaiah 6. Maybe go and study that passage, and you need to enter in there and just be overwhelmed by the awesomeness of who God is. That is the beginning of wisdom. So I'll give you an example. Maybe this will help you just to get your mind around this idea of the fear of the Lord. So when I was younger, I used to love, I still love sport. And we would go... On a Saturday afternoon, we will go and watch um, a five-day cricket match on TV, my brother and I. So we'll just sit there. You know, do you guys still watch five-day cricket matches? And it's it just, it's brain do it. You just go with the remote. You're like, oh, it's Jock Collis, Brian McMillan, Alan Donald, all those guys. And you, you're just sitting there. And then my mom would come in and she would be like, hey, you guys, you need to make your bed. Hey, guys, what about... What, what are you doing? And it was just the normal mom voice. And we just, we're not paying attention to it. Just not paying attention. And then eventually my mom would come in. And she would always say this. You guys are sitting there like lords. Who do you think I am? And then we'll jump up do what you have to do, all the chores, and then jump back on the couch and we'll sit there and we relax. But what happened in that moment? We suddenly realized who my mom is. 
we realize the reality that my mom is not the friend that's not going to the person that's going to clean behind us she's my mom and there's a understanding of what that means i have a revelation of that so we jump up and we do whatever we need to do a similar example that maybe help you in just understanding the fear of the lord is what danielle had a near death experience so they did studies on people that suffered um, heart attacks cardiac arrests and they 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 just they wanted to see what happens with these people after they had these near-death experiences and most of these people they they had a long, it had a long-lasting effect on how they lived life, these near-death experiences. And maybe, if you, maybe you can talk to Danelle also. She's thinking different. She has a different perspective on life because of that experience. Because what happens, suddenly you know that everything that you are living for Everything that you have put your eyes towards, it could have been gone like this. So what happens is your, your value system changes. When I was still a young student pastor, I was asked to go and, to a guy that was on his deathbed. And it was such an amazing experience for me. Not the guy dying, but the way that he communicated. The value system, the things that is that was really important for him on his deathbed. He was a successful businessman. He had lots of money, but he never once talked about his possessions. He never once mentioned the job that he was doing, all his dreams, all the things that he has achieved. The only thing that he wanted to talk about was his relationship with his wife and his relationship with his dogs. (laughs) He didn't have children. But for me, that was such a significant moment it was a even a life-altering experience for me as a as a young pastor to know that in the end if you're close to death these are the things that matter to you relationships and the fear of the lord is that is that same thing it's a it's a shock to your system if you really fear the lord you won't fear man If you really fear the Lord, then the desires of the flesh, it'd be easily put to death. Easily. If you have a revelation of who God is. To give you an example, and Luke already stole my example. David. He was asked as a young man to go to the battlefield where his brothers were fighting. And he's there with his brothers, and there's a big guy, Goliath. And Goliath is just, he throws insults at the Israelite army, but also at, at God. And David is like, what are you guys doing? This guy is insulting my God, my Lord. And the fear of God came on him, and the fear of man left him. And he walked, and he did a very wise thing. He went to this Goliath, this giant of a man, The skillful warrior with five stones and a slingshot. 
Very wise, eh? Very wise. And what happened? The rest is history. He killed the giant. Why? Because he, he had the fear of the Lord on his life. Therefore, he could be wise. Because wisdom is not where you are wise in the eyes of the world. Sometimes the wisdom, and Miranda did so well painting that picture of us. Sometimes the, the wisdom of God, it looks unwise in the eyes of, of the world. Wisdom, and, and I think especially in our cultures, wisdom is defined by being cautious. That guy is so wise. He never takes chances. He's so dignified. Look at him. When he worships, like, see, fear of God is on his life. No. If you think of uh, the fear of God as the beginning of wisdom, then the moment we enter into God's presence, that is holy. That is holy. And whatever God asks ask of us, if, if it's in the Bible, it says that we must come with, with songs and shouts of joy and with dancing before the Lord, then we don't care about people. The wisdom is, the beginning of wisdom is the fear of the Lord. And we're like, I don't care what people think. I'm just going to make a fool of myself because I know that I'm going to glorify, glorify God. Fear of God is a shock to your system where the only thing that matters is what God thinks about you. Fear of God, part of the fear of God is also... To understand that you cannot have a thought in your mind about who you are if it doesn't match us the thought, if it doesn't agree with the thoughts that God has over you and for you. So all of us, we want to have the ability to steward whatever is given to us so that we'll have, so at the end of our life, we'll be, we'll be be called into the throne room of God and Jesus will say, good and faithful servants. I think all of us, we want to be there. But sometimes the starting point, this fear of God thing is just so difficult for us. So practically speaking, how does it, how does it look? How does the fear of God look in your finances? A lot of you are your students, maybe your youth, but all of you, some, somewhere down the line, you're going to work with money. How does it look? How does the fear of God look in terms of your finances? Diving. Giving, giving to God. That is the fear of, fear of God. I remember the first time when the fear of God came over me in terms of my finances. It was at the end of the month and I, I found out Wow, we, we still have lots of money left. The Kennedys did well this month. And I, I was just looking back into all the, my transaction history to see if I didn't miss something. And then I found I missed something. I didn't tithe this month. And I'm like, oh man, but all this, the cash that I still have left was already allocated to something else. I can't now just throw that money back into the church. I need to make a deal here with God. So I made a deal with God and I said, God, over the next three months, I'm going to pay this month's tithe back to you. Why? Because I was brought up 
with a fear of God in terms of my tithing. My grandfather, who was a, who was a teacher, at the end of his life, I asked him, hey, so give me financial advice. He said, Amo, all you do is just tithe. My grandmother on the other side said, when I asked her, she was a wife, she said, never eat out, Amo, never eat out. That's how you save money. Fear of God. I, I know that I cannot be wise with my finance. I'm, I try and do budget and I try and do my best, but I know I need the blessing of the Lord on that. And there's a fear of God with regards to my tithe. How does the fear of God look in your relationships? Matthew 5 verse 22, it says, If you call somebody a fool, you should be condemned to hell. That's what it says. Jesus speaking. So the fear of God on my life in terms of me handling people, and sometimes you guys are really difficult. They are, I know most of you are amazing, but they are difficult customers, even in our amazing church, and people out there. And I want to say, you're but I'm not going to say it because the fear of God is on my life. And I know that I will not desecrate something that has the image of God. And I will say, God, I'm going to work with you, alongside you. I'm going to love. I'm going to pray. I'm going to serve so that the full potential, because that's part of wisdom, not only for yourself. Solomon asked wisdom because he wanted to develop the people in his nation to its full potential. Fear of God in your relationships. How does the fear of God look in your talents, the giftings, that all of you are so gifted? How does that look? I'll tell you a story. There was a guy, Eric Little, 1924. He qualified for the Olympics for both the 100 and also the 400 and the 200, actually. And, but the, the 100 meter, that was his race. That was where he, was, he, he would be able to get a, a, a medal for the 100 meters. And then he found out that the 100 meter final was on a Sunday. And back in, in that day, for him, the fear of the Lord, that was God's, God's day and I know we live in a, in a, we have a different revelation that we really believe. And, and I'm also, I feel that's what God's saying is the Sabbath is for, for humans, not the humans not made for the Sabbath. So um, you should honor a rest day a week, but it's not specifically the Sabbath. Else I would not be able to do this, what I'm doing now. Or Henry wouldn't be able to work here with his guitar. Yeah, um, I understand that. But for him, there was the fear of God. I'm not allowed. There's something that's untouchable. I'm not allowed to go beyond what I feel God has allowed me to do. That is untouchable. And he said, no, I will not do the 100 meter. And then he said, but I'll do the 400 meters. And he qualified. It was not a very... It was not a very good time. We qualified for the Olympics. 
and he ended up winning the Olympics, the 400 meters. So the fear of God, because he honored God, this is, this is my interpretation, there was a blessing on him, and he's still known today for just honoring God, even though in our times that will look like, hey, that guy is quite radical. But because he had the fear of God in his life, God honored him. And he had wisdom. So the ability, God has given him the ability to run to his full potential. God-given potential. So you must find a way, whether it's making money, whether it's playing a sport, what are the untouchables in your area of gifting? Because some of you young people, you need to do that before you go into business. Because somebody's going to make a deal with you and they're going to say, hey, don't you want to come into this partnership with me? And you're going to know, fear of God's on me. No, I cannot partner with somebody selling alcohol to poor people, for instance. I cannot, I cannot invest in a company that's making people or giving loans out at 32% or 120%. I cannot partner with them. You need to make that choice. Fear of God's on your life. There's a guy in our church. He, he started off selling ginger beer. And he made a lot of, lots of money. And then God spoke to him and said, you know why, why people are coming to you for ginger beer? Because there's actually a kick. In ginger beer. He made, he made lots of money. He's an entrepreneur. He's in our church. And then he said, okay, God, I'll sell it. And then God told him, no, you're not allowed to sell it. Because what are you doing? I told you it's wrong what you're doing. Because that's his revelation. That's God speaking to him. So because of the fear of God, he just left everything and he's now doing something else. And you know what? God is honoring him he is doing well financially because wisdom brings riches honor and enduring wealth fear of god so if we make effort to understand the fear of god and if we focus on having the fear of god in all these different areas of our life that will be the foundation of us getting wisdom and it will bring us into a place where 20 years down the line we will look at Henry and we're like Henry we knew you were anointed back in 2018 but man you are now so anointed you are singing in front of crowds and crowds of people people are just getting slain with the spirit they're just getting healed as you sing wow and then humbly, Henry will say, but honestly, I didn't do it. <laughs> and all of us, at the end of our lives, we'd be like, oh, I can't believe God did this with me. If he could use me. Why? Because it started with the fear of the Lord and wisdom. We made an effort with wisdom. We asked for wisdom. Wisdom, God, I want to develop 
everything that you have given me. I want to be a steward of the people, the relationship. I want to be a steward of my sphere of influence. And what's going to happen? You will see increase. You will see it. If you are now faithful with the one friendship, if you are now faithful with the little gifting that you have in the area and you ask for wisdom, and it starts with the fear of the Lord, God will increase it. But here's a warning. So because of the increase, a lot of people tend to now go after the increase and not the one that brings the increase. Because your foundation, maybe it started with the fear of the Lord, but it didn't stay there. And eventually you get so into all the riches, the enduring wealth, the honor that comes from wisdom that God has given you that you forget that it's actually all about God, and you lose the plot. Proverbs 10 verse 22, it says, The riches of the Lord, or the blessing of the Lord, makes rich, and it adds no sorrow. The blessing of the Lord makes rich, and it adds no sorrow. But all of you are very gifted, and you're going to steward this wisdom thing. And you're going to steward your talents. And you're going, to, you're going to receive the riches of this world. People are going to come to you and say, wow, you're amazing. And then suddenly down the line, I'm not praying this. I'm not speaking this over you. But we need to have the fear of the Lord in this area. Suddenly down the line, you're going to realize, wow, I'm amazing. I can do this thing. And then the blessing of the Lord is going to be removed. You're still going to have the riches, the ability to make wealth. And there's going to be added sorrow to it. And then, like so many older people, you know, need to come back to church. You're going to say, God, I'm so sorry. I wish I never had all these riches. I wish I never had all this favor. I wish I never had this platform. But it was always God's plan to give you the platform, to give you the wealth, to give you the riches, so that you will be like Solomon, somebody who showcases his glory. And people from around the world will go like, Wow, Thomas, you need to tell me, who is this God you serve? Amen. Let's stand.